Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Oh, he's vamping! What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you from a bunch of places on the internet. We're live now on Crowdcast and YouTube, or we're coming to you as a podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's all good. And we've got a packed show for you tonight. Oh, a huge yeah. one. Tons of guests going to be in Stop here. Stop stalling. Let's get it going already. But first, I want to tell you a little story from my childhood. This starts oh, at age two. <clears throat> oh, I had just started to walk. and oh, Ira Glass over here about to drop <laughs> some uh, calm knowledge on us. <laughs> now, once a month... We pay tribute to our Patreon supporters, $5 and up. We say a little thank you to them uh, here on the podcast for all their support. Totally seriously, we could not keep doing this podcast or all the podcasts we do without them. So we're going to give them a shout out right now. This Somebody asks every time. It's a a lot of people's favorite segment on the show. A lot of people just tune in just for this and then leave. It's all they want is is to hear us list these names. Well, I, I will say, somebody always asks, comes into the middle, is like, what's going on? Well, what's going on is we're reading the names of Patreon supporters, and we're going to kick it off with Oitis Larson. Aaron C. Hollis. Adam DeRose. Adam Harwitz. Adam Marks. Adriel Moreland. Elena Fontenot. Amanda Harris. Amy Gonzalez. Andrew. Andrew Primo. And the third Andrew Tillman. <laughs> Beer Cat PhD. Benjamin Brown. W. Chris Leatherman. <coughs> Christina Jarmillo. Oops, Chris Terlizzi. Clemens Luer. Curtis LaRock. Demand Ryan. Dan Snow. Daniel Cabrera. Daniel Fuentes. <laughs> Danny Heck. Debbie Gloom. Dennis Scott. Derek Mainhart. Dylan <coughs> L.J. Eduardo Martinez. Emmett Quish. Aaron Dorian. Jeffrey Risher. Gerard de Villiers. Isaac, Isaac Carter. Jake Fry. <laughs> James Connolly. James Kurtz. Jason Donahue. Jeffrey Whaley. John George. Jonathan Jong. Jonathan McCool. Joshua Gibson. Joshua W. Broxson. Julian Lobato. Catherine Anderson. Casey Newhaven. Kevin Grimes. Kevin Kleinrock. Kieran Broderick. Cody Thomas. Lee Brown. Lee Wana Thomas. Luke Asink. Mark, Mark Zeller. Matt Tice. Megan Thigpen. Michael Tillman. Mitchell McDonald. Nathaniel Diaz. Nelson Nelso Kelso. Nick Grayson. Off White Savior. Official CBC Chef Brett Macris. Omnia Soul Art. Oren Dix. Pablo Martinez. Pedro A. Wrangle. Pete's Pretty Kitty. Rev Mikey. 
Robert Pettinato. Sarah Schottmuller. Sarah Schaefer. Scott Carpenter. Scott England. Stanley. Tamila Rush. Taylor Bryan. Terrible Jason. The Big Flood. The Twelve Batch. Thomas Glenn. Victor Perez. Will Buchanan. Zika's Viral Comics. Thank you all so much again for your support. If you want to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. We have a ton of awesome bonuses for you all, including access to our back catalog from 2011 to 2021. It's Just a imagine lot of the young voices you could hear. Oh, hi. Delivered. Hi, we're here to do our podcast. It's fun. <laughs> What's up? This is Kids Comic Book Club, and we're talking about Death of Superman. That's how far I'm back I'm also it Alex. I'm Justin. Pete's we've, here, too. We've always been old. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But here's what isn't getting old, is people leaving us comments over on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to leave a comment, please do leave us a rating for five stars preferred. Uh, but also you can request a book for us to review here on the show. Let's read off this one. Great back and forth between all hosts. You can tell they have passion for this podcast and it never <laughs> gets stale. The show is uh -huh. not bananas good, but instead it's bananas. Awesome. <laughs> five out of five bananas. The show is worth it for the art alone. Thanks for uh, all the laughs, guys, and for maintaining a very positive review podcast. Would love to hear a review of the now-completed series TMNT The Last Ronin, where Eastman and Laird have finally teamed up again. I feel the series could use a more in-depth review. This one is for you, Pete. Oh, that's, thanks. Thank you. Yes, I'm so glad we get to talk about this book. Yes, and we are going to talk about this book on this week's Stack Podcast, which is Wednesday, 9 a.m., both in the Comic Book Club feed and in its own dedicated Stack feed. So definitely check that out, as well as all of the new reviews this week. But why don't we get to our first guest here? She is coming to us all the way from London, uh, where oh, she is the director... Night. Yeah, very late night. She is the director of the Foundling Museum that has an exhibit called Superheroes, Orphans, and Origins, 125 Years in Comics, that is running through August 28th. We're going to bring her into the stream here now to talk about this exhibit um, and hopefully, uh, hopefully get her to sleep in a timely manner. That's the most important thing, I think. <laughs> That's what we're all about on this show, is getting people yeah. to Betty by on time. Uh -huh. I appreciate it, you know? We started you have to this cut podcast. You, short so you can get your full eight. You need yes. your full eight. Exactly. Uh -huh. We started this podcast as a way of putting people to sleep, and so far it seems to be working. <laughs> oh, man. I, I love a full eight, man. I can't. Uh, you, you caught into that eight, and uh, I'm going to be not good the next day, I tell you what. I haven't had a full eight in 10 years. I don't need it. I don't want it. Oh, you're one of those guys. Yeah, six is one my. Those, oh, I don't. I don't need sleep. You know what I mean? I just, oh no, I'm I need going, it. You know, I just you know. I definitely need it. I'm I'm losing it. I'm on the edge. <laughs> you want it? You just can't get it. Is what you're saying? Hundred percent. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, man. I'm sorry to hear that. Wow. Uh, keep talking, oh, guys. I'm going to try line. to remove her and bring her back in again. Just oh, okay. to see oh, no, I think if we're just silent, it'll help the process. Both <laughs> oh, the yeah. podcast and the technological. Hey, uh, uh, well, I've got you, Justin. Uh, do you? Oh, never mind. We'll have to pick that up later because I believe Carol is here <laughs> on the stream. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Can you hear me okay? 
Yes, we can. There we go. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Again, you are coming to us from England, from, I mean, I don't know that you're in the Foundling Museum right now, but you're coming to us generally from the Foundling Museum. Um, For those... Yes. Uh, For those who don't uh, necessarily know, and I think that's most of us on this side of the pond, what is the Foundling Museum? How did it start? Um, Well, foundling was um, an 18th century word for a baby who had been abandoned. And we tell the story of the Foundling Hospital, which was the UK's first children's charity, but also its first public art gallery. And it was set up in 1739 to take in babies who would have otherwise been abandoned. And the core of our collection as an art museum is this amazing art, because all of the leading artists of the day, and not just the painters and sculptors, but composers and craftspeople, they donated their work to the charity to raise its profile. And so we have work by William Hogarth and Reynolds and Gainsborough and Ramsey and Handel and Dickens. And and we continue today to work with amazing contemporary artists um, who help deliver the work that we do with particularly young people who are in the state care system and young people who are just leaving care. And, um, And working with artists help them kind of get a get it sort of uh, in increase their self-esteem and get a vision of what life could be and have confidence in themselves and future they could build for themselves. I love, I mean, I, I love that concept in general, but I love how well that ties with superheroes and with this exhibit. It's such a smart thing to put together to bring those connections that you're talking about and bring that inspiration because of course that's what superheroes are all about. Was there how, how did this exhibit uh, first come about? Was there like a lightning bolt moment where somebody said, wait a second, most of them are in fact orphans. We could do this. Well, it was a, it was had a, a two part origin. We have um, wonderful fellows, um, sort of very uh, esteemed artists um, who work with us. And one of our fellows is an amazing poet called Lem Sisse, who was himself brought up in care. And he created for us this text mural um, called Superman was a foundling. And it's, just um, over a hundred names of characters from fiction around the world who were orphaned, adopted, fostered or found. And it's it was installed in 2014 and visitors love it. And it anyway. And so that was the original start point. But the um, the idea for this show, I'm afraid the credit has to go to my husband. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Having having um, had uh, over a decade of marriage, moaning about the boxes of comics that skulk <laughs> under beds, yes. and under the <laughs> um, he he said, "Do you know what? You could there would be a really interesting exhibition here if you just looked at the characters from comics and graphic novels." And it was obviously, as I said, our collection is is historic and contemporary art so there was nobody in our team who knew anything about comics and so we mm-hmm. worked with a fabulous um freelance curator called laura um, chase and she just took that idea and um all through lockdown uh we we were working on the show just before we went into the first lockdown in 2020 and we've ended up with a show that as i said it's over 125 years nine different countries three continents um, the most incredible range of work. And I have to say, um, having not been a particular comic fan when I started, I'm I'm convinced it's, I actually think that the comics as a medium are absolutely perfect for really revealing some of the 
some of the issues, the the, the resilience, the trauma, the uh, the anxieties, the amazing courage and empathy that people who've grown up without birth parents, particularly in kind of state care systems, how they navigate the world. And it's, it's had a real impact on our visitors. And I think, you know, the thing that's most frequently said is it had never occurred to me. But of course, yes, they're, they're you know, hiding in plain sight. Uh, with your outside eye on the comic book world, um, what uh, pieces of the exhibit really stood out to you or what sort of drew you in the most? I think there there are a number of things. I mean, I think in 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 the world of adoption, you know, the absolute cardinal rule is you do not change the name that the birth parents gave the child. You know, if you adopt a child, it doesn't matter if you, you know, that you all sorts of things will change in that child's life, but it's the name it was given by its birth parents. You don't touch that. And of course, it had never occurred to me that Superman himself he has three names. And so many of the villains try and get to Superman by undermining his sense of himself. And it's, who is he? Is he Kal-El? The parents that he never knew, the the family home that he has no relationship to. Is he Clark Kent, which is the name given to him by his adoptive family? Or everybody else who just calls him Superman? And this sense of how often it comes through of his own sense of who am I? You know, where am I? Where do I come from? What is my story? Which is very resonant for the work that we do with a, a lot of care leaders. But I was also, there's a section of the exhibition, which is comics that are the um, artists are drawing on their own lived experience of growing up in care. Mm. And that's immensely powerful as well. And you realise how comics and graphic novels are also very powerful almost like journals, I think, for these artists. And so they they go from um, Carlos Jimenez in the 1970s and his Paraguelos and, and lifting the lid on the social aid homes under Franco that he grew up in as a child. Um, we've got, uh, who else is in there? We've got um, uh, Lisa Ulam Herblum, who did her palimpsest. Uh, she was born in Korea spent the first few years of her life in a Korean orphanage and then was adopted by a New Zealand family. Um, and she looks at the issue of interracial adoption and the kind of um, inequalities within that and the lack of voice. Um, but then there's also uh, Taya Matsumoto's um, Sonny, uh, and he grew up in a children's aid home. And as an, as an art historian, we have the original artwork of Sonny, and it's beautiful they are so beautiful they're such beautiful paintings and just yeah delightful so i think uh, yeah there's there's so much in the show i mean you know for people who are classic comics stan lee there's you know all the comics from the 40s and 50s and 60s but some of the more contemporary work we've commissioned some work as well for the show is um oh wow it's a real revolution so i think i'd say there's there's genuinely something there for everyone including people who might not necessarily think of comics as their thing well, that's uh, what's very striking to me is not only is it for everyone, but it's also, you know, you can go as a family and, you know, kids will get yeah. something out of this as well as adults. I mean, as someone who's uh, read comics my whole life, I'm very excited about uh, hopefully seeing this someday because it, it's kind of a new perspective on something that's been right in front of me the whole time. And I think that's one yeah. of the nice, powerful things about art. Can you talk a little bit about the fact that this is going to be such a kind of big catcher for a lot of different people? 
I think it is. I mean, I think it's, you know, if you were a comic fan, there's a lot in the show that you'll love from, you know, the, the sort of historics and the classic works. There's, we've got, we're showing work that's not been shown before. We've got wonderful um, uh, original um, work by um, Robin Smith, who's, done, who's the artist for Nubia Real One. Um, yeah. and that's fantastic and the catalogue for the exhibition there's great interview with Robin there um, that's wonderful work um, San Mao uh, the Japanese um, uh, comic by Zhang Leping um, from the I think it's from the 40s and San Mao means three hairs and this thing about him growing up on the street and being so malnourished he only has wow. three hairs wow. um, so there's and, and I mean the one I think is um for me, the, the extraordinary one is Keiji uh, Nakazawa's Barefoot Gen. Um, and I don't know if you know, but he he, um, he lost his family in Hiroshima. And this oh, is a, a manga comic based on his own experience. And it's sort of, wow. it's extraordinary. So you are, you're going from, you know, Keiji's Barefoot Gen through to, you know, X-Men and Black Panther. And it, it's, a, it's an amazing combination of work. Um, but it, 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 the thing that unites it all is this idea of these characters and how that loss of birth, how that has shaped their their relationship to the world and and how they navigate it. And so we have a section about behind the mask, looking at particularly Spider Man, Batman, and Black Panther, and how the mask is a is something that is both protects them in terms of their identity, but also their emotions and how losing parents in a kind of violent situation, how that trauma kind of carries through in your life, the inability to make lasting emotional relationships often. Um, there's a section looking at characters like Annie and Street Angel and those, those children who are homeless and how as as young kids they have to live on their wits and somehow manage a world that really doesn't give a shit about them and how often these characters are nevertheless trying to fight to keep society together you know that they're there as characters that are always trying to help trying to make amends try and fix things for people trying to yeah make society better when society actually doesn't really care about them at all um and so Yes, as you can see, I can talk about it a long time. (laughs) This is a very, uh, not necessarily specific to this exhibit, but just a general being a director of a museum question. But how how do you acquire pieces like this? Is it, I assume it's kind of different for each one, but let's say you're trying to get a page from Superman or a page from Gladback Fencer for this exhibit. What's the actual process like? Well, we we borrow in in this case, so we borrow we borrowed a lot of work from the uh, Billy Island collection in Ohio, um, and they have an amazing collection, historic collection of comics. So, some of the earliest comics in the show we've got are um, Hogan's Alley, which is from the eighteen nineties, and the Yellow Kid. Um, oh, yeah. The Victorian Albert Museum in London, uh, the British Library, um, we've borrowed we've borrowed from private collectors. And then um, to your point, you know, we have to make the decision about our, wh- wh- which is the page that we, we want to show. Is it the cover or in certain cases, it's actually specific pages that are revealing particular issues we're very interested in in relation to this to this theme. Um, but I have um, 
rather brilliantly one private collector um i discovered completely by accident uh that um he was a collector of comics and as i as i've been talking about this exhibition over the past couple of years as it's, it's been developing a number of people have revealed that they are a secret thing. Anyway, this, <laughs> ah, this, it's uh, so fun exactly. their secret so origin yeah they're, they're oh. secret comic collectors so i was talking to this um this woman who is a supporter of the museum and i was telling her what we we're doing and she said my husband collects comics. I was like, oh, does he? <laughs> so we ended up having a conversation and he revealed to me that um, the only character that he didn't have in his collection was um, Superboy and that he had been basically, there was a moratorium on him collecting any more comics and he wasn't allowed any more comics. <laughs> but because we we didn't have Superboy in the show and so um, we came up with this win-win that he acquired Superboy to let, lend it to our exhibition. <laughs> wow, <laughs> what a workaround. <laughs> yeah. so he was going, brilliant, everybody won. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, we have private lenders as well. Who um, and, and then at the end of the show, uh, the works will, will all go back. And because they're obviously work on paper, they're quite light sensitive, so they can't be on show oh, yeah. for that long, which is why we're so pleased the catalogue is so fantastic, because it means that... Um, you know, once these works have all gone back to their respective homes and to dark storerooms and that the exhibition right. itself will live. Mm. And cool. this is running until August 28th, is that correct? That's right, yeah. All right, cool. The So the, time. the cost is the ticket of the museum and also flying to London, I assume. That's probably but like... The, the flying to London bit. <laughs> yeah, it might be a little more but expensive. Fun. But... So you a lot of time to read comics. A lot of time to yeah, get exactly. familiar with yeah. the work. It's very true. Flight. This is very true. And I think... Um, but it is, you know, it's definitely... If people are planning on coming over to London, we are very close. We're just around the corner from the British Museum. So uh, very, very close. Uh, awesome. Um, it's definitely worth seeing. I'm, and there's probably I'm not really... a ton of comics in the British Museum, so I feel like you have... Yeah, that's going to be the real stop, yeah. yeah. Usually I go to the British Museum first for my comics, don't find anything there, and I don't know I don't know where to go next, so this is perfect. <laughs> uh, Carol, thank you so much for coming on. Absolute pleasure. Good luck with the exhibition, and fingers crossed we can make it your way to check it out. Cool. Thank really you, guys. Exciting. Love you, yeah, all right, there we go. Once again, that is called the Foundling Museum. It is in London. The exhibit is Superheroes, Orphans, and Origins, 125 Amazing. years in comics running through August 28th. But as mentioned, you got to make it to London first. So there you go. Why don't we bring Just in... Just make a weekend of it. Hop over. I, Just hop I... over kind of actually want to go it sounds oh awesome. my god do i want to go it sounds amazing let's do it you guys three of us we're gonna we're gonna It'd be go. great if we finally got to see each other all three together and it was in london <laughs> <laughs> all right why don't we bring in our second guest here it's a pleasure to have him back he is the creator of jacob's apartment which is out now from graphic monday Joshua Campbell, everybody. Hello. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> How are you? Um, I uh, want to go to the Foundling Museum. <laughs> yeah, right? right? Okay, right? the four right? of us. Amazing. The four of us. Yeah, yeah. you guys got to get me in there, too. So Absolutely. Right. We get enough people, we get a private jet. It's cost effective. It's cost effective. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you know with a private jet? No, you, we rent it. It's like oh, calling okay. an Uber. That's <laughs> cool. I got over. Let's talk about Jacob's apartment. This book is great. It's very evocative, very sad, to be honest, uh, while I was reading it. Uh, but uh, basically, I guess, I, I don't know. I, I actually want you to describe the concept because there's a lot of stuff going on in this book. And initially, when I was reading through it, I was like, okay, it's about uh, these two people living in an apartment together and they're 
exploring their dreams in real life while their own dreams are affecting their reality and back and forth. But it sort of grows from there throughout the book. I love that. that. Yeah, I love that as a start. Um, That's the main theme is like there's uh, two roommates. They're sort of polar opposites. They're uh, young adults um, kind of living in this old Victorian apartment in Long Beach. And uh, they are both kind of pursuing their dreams and kind of finding connection with each other because of their common pursuit of their dreams. But both of them kind of face different sort of young adult curveballs that tend to happen at an early age where uh, Jacob, the main character, his father is diagnosed with cancer and then ends up dying of cancer. And it sort of causes him to spiral and question his belief system. It's like definitely exploring a lot of themes of the kinds of questions that can uh, challenge even the strong, like the strongest of faith. And then um, on top of that, uh, Sarah, his roommate is kind of reeling from a broken relationship uh, with an ex-boyfriend who had moved to like New York. And so uh, I'm glad you I'm glad you caught like because it's still a relatively new release. So it's exciting to see that you caught the whole interplay of like dreams and reality sort of interweaving Um, because there is a lot of that where their physical dreams and then their real um, pursuit of dreams start kind of interweaving and overlapping um, throughout. But there's a broader theme of just kind of like the ghosts of our childhood that kind of pursue us into adulthood, especially young adulthood and kind of haunt you a little bit. So there's definitely like um, that as a theme. And then definitely um, sort of an overall question, like a hypothetical that I was sort of playing with with the book of just the question of like, what is the pursuit of like passion and dreams without love? And so um, Mm. it's kind of a heavy book, but like, I mean, you guys have had me on here before for an equally heavy book. So (laughs) you'll probably know like for some (laughs) reason... I'm drawn to talking about the things that, um, and I think I, I, I feel like it's kind of what I'm meant to do is like talk about uh, topics that you really aren't supposed to like publicly talk about and kind of lean into the discomfort and kind of make a comic about it. Cause like your guest previously mentioned, I think one of the things that's unique to comics is that comics are such an intimate experience when you're reading them, that it's kind of like reading a diary and there's this very like, it's an active reading experience and so i feel like um it's a perfect medium for kind of handling difficult topics i think yeah i was just thinking about that this week actually because like with uh tv film like we we don't set the pace of it so you can you can't really let your mind wander too much if you're fully engaged with it with a comic you can hit something you can read a page and be struck by it and really have time to think about it and then pick right back up in the story and I feel like your work is sort of about that. Um, and the uh, the last book we talked about, I think, was much more about that. This feels like yeah. it gets to wander a little bit into, into yes. dreaming. With that. This is a lighter book of the two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, <laughs> I, I, I feel like uh, with this, it, it also is just kind of like tackling a lot of uh, struggles that like people commonly have like in their early 20s. I definitely had. It's It's got some semi-autobiographical elements to it as well um and i do think exploring um loss and sort of how that affects your identity is like um fun and cool and i think comics uh you know i'm glad the foundling museum is catching on to the fact that comics are art um i i I feel like uh comics can be like kind of pursuing these literary kind of topics and uh i think there's a market for it you know so yeah yeah i just wanted to say i i I really loved how the art really helps 
with the ideas and the, and the different concepts being explored, like the, the whole Nimrod thing. I, I thought that was really hilarious and kind of like the way you're kind of going from kind of like tripped out spacey to like old school comic style to kind of explain things was really magical and, and wove really uh, well together with this story where you're not like, oh, I don't understand what's going on. You're kind of like, oh, this is cool. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, like I, I, um, I love playing with style and sort of uh, exploring with the shifting styles within books. I've always been baffled by like I know so many artists who do comics and they stick to like one specific style, and I feel like it's such a bummer because it's like we have so much variety in our in our palettes of what we can use, and so I love that idea. If I'm like explaining, like there's a part in this book that gets heavy into theology. And yeah. some of the like more problematic, like theological questions, um, particularly in Christianity that people might have. Yeah. And uh, to kind of explain it. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, I break it down into like an old school, um, you know, like very bad, like the worst copy of Thor that you could find. That's not by the main <laughs> artist. Right. Yeah. And maybe it's not even Thor. Maybe it's the ad for like Underoos, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's but, like the ad in the back. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, but I like I like playing with that and like the explanatory nature of comics where you can kind of break things down um, in, in a more kind of lighthearted way. So it, even though it deals with heavy topics, it definitely has like a lighthearted nature to it as well. Um, and a lot of interplay between like fantasy and reality to kind of hopefully, you know, make a meaningful point you know a comparison for people out there listening um and please tell me if you think this is apt or out of nowhere but uh waking life the link later film uh i thought i felt like the art style feels like a little bit into that that world uh and a lot of yeah. sort of darker tones you were dealing with. yeah 100 percent um i mean it it pulls a lot from the graduate too um and there's like if you guys look really carefully there's like uh, throughout the main apartment in there, there's like literally a graduate poster <laughs> like in the background and some other little elements of like um, hints and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, um, I always like on my pitch, I'll usually say that it's like if you mixed like ghost world with like eternal sunshine for the spotless mind wow. and kind of scrambled mm. it together. Um, yeah. Sold. But, I love that idea. Run. Yeah. With it. <laughs> but anyhow, <laughs> so that's, that's pretty much like, um, uh, it, it, one of the things also with paneling that I like to do is like um, a lot of like interplay where you're kind of acting, asking the reader to be active in, in the process. Um, so there's things like at the beginning, it kind of shifts between two different uh, timelines um, and you get this little indicator, but it kind of forces you to do a once over again. But like, once you do that first page, you're kind of prepped for like the work that comes ahead and, um, I don't like to make comics that are like impossible to digest or read, but um, but I do like playing with like paneling and and how far we can push um, the medium. You know, awesome. you mentioned before that there are semi autobiographical. I'm not saying that word correctly. Semi-autobiographical <laughs> elements in this. And definitely while I was reading this, I was like, okay, these are things that you talked about in two stories. So I can yeah, see yeah. how they're there. But at the same time, it is fictional. So why why take sort of like that half step? Why keep things to your life but still make it fictional versus fully fictional say don't don't accuse our guest of half stepping that's not uh, no, no. <laughs> to be clear I why did you do step. this wrong 
I guess. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I was going to say, like, um, I was going to quote Tribe Called Quest and be like, hey, I never half step because I'm not a half stepper. So, um, uh, but, but, uh, well with, done, uh, sir. <laughs> but with uh, with Jacob's apartment, it's like um, it, it's a comic that's aiming for more of like a um, 16 or older age range. Mm-hmm. And there were some themes and and some interplay of dreams that I wanted to do, kind of influenced by like Windsor McKay, um, where I I wanted to be able to be a little more playful and a little more lighthearted and also talk about a much more distant time than like two stories. Whereas two stories, you know, I'm still uh, I have volume two of that that I'm still kind of um, working on and will will happen. And that's more of just like, you know, if you're a fan of like, if you're a fan of like doomed romance uh, comics, which is actually a whole genre, <laughs> um, this this comic would be for you. Um, I think if you're more a fan of like the very like traditional like indie underground, just raw confessional autobio stuff, um, two stories is still kind of like probably the best thing for you that I've made, um, where I get like heavily into it. But I like I like kind of interplaying with both. Um, right now I'm working on like a historical fiction graphic novel about the Brownings um, for West Margin Publishing. Um, and like I like the idea of as a writer and as an artist, like kind of playing with multiple genres. And um, for some reason, the main interests are all literary kind of pursuits. Um, but uh, but that's kind of the one thing that kind of ties all of my interests together. But. I, that's a really long non-answer, so I guess I am kind of. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, I I'm mean, to be clear. Gotcha question. Ha ha. <laughs> no, I, I just think it's interesting because there's definitely like, as you're writing, you're writing, you're not writing something that's an autobiography, but yeah. clearly it is you at points in there. But I guess that's a thing with writing, right? Like, of course, you're going to yeah. call out your own experiences to put it in there. So. Yeah. yeah, and I think there's like some themes in it, like um, like grief, like I said, you know, where it's like in- inevitably like you're going to kind of need to draw on those like more emotional things to to kind of tell a story. And also, I think that um, again, like my interest in in comics is to kind of lean into those the discomfort and kind of make that a theme and a topic. Um, so yeah, one hundred percent. It also struck me while I was reading this, and I mean this. Again, I feel like I'm being very antagonistic, but I'm really not. Like in the a very good way. That bring it out. Uh, how dare you? First of all, uh, no. This uh, this is the sort of comic that I feel like is not made a whole lot anymore. Like I feel like comics what the have. Fuck, man. Hold on, have this hold on. Panel. It was very refreshing like... to read this because I feel like these yes. sort of like very personal, smaller stories that really yeah. this is just about two people adding a third person that I'm not necessarily going to spoil here, but Jesus Christ. It's, it's very focused in this way, which I really appreciated. Pete lay off of me. I'm giving Man, a compliment. Here. Could you I boil like, his comic down to like something shitty and then be like, why would you do that? So simple. <laughs> I was saying, I love, I love that. I loved reading that again, like something that is very small. So I think it was really nice to read this very, uh, focused <laughs> Pete's fucking me up now is what <laughs> let let him talk for a second Pete's in my <laughs> head Pete's in my head man I can say you, so you're basically trying to say I'm very small no I'm just kidding um, <laughs> so I I get what you're saying like um I it is intentionally kind of a quiet story um and and one of the things that I like about uh like did you see this a lot in independent film and then there are other cartoonists who've delved into that realm like uh, uh one of my favorite um cartoonists is Derek Kirk Kim 
and he'll have like a whole story about like people in like a grocery store like shopping um and i i just think there is something really neat about those like quiet snapshots of life that like try to you know you're not literally snapshotting life like you're trying to highlight some some deeper truths about about everyday experience but at the same time like it's okay to be kind of quiet and intimate and um i totally get why you get that feeling because like there's even sequences in this where like the characters are like sitting at a bar and you're kind of as the reader like getting a little tipsy along with them because like the panels start getting blurry (laughs) like it's but it's like a moment where it kind of sits with the conversation and like there's patience and kind of quietness to it. So I, I definitely, I, I don't know. I almost think of it as like, I mean, this is going to sound pretentious, but it's kind of like a poem or something um, mm-hmm. more than like a novel, you know? Yeah. What I, uh, I, what I like about this sort of the intimate and the quiet every day of it is that's when we dream in reality. And that's where like dreams can sort of, they inf- infect our reality. It's not like, we're out uh, in the middle of a superhero fight and we're like, you know, I just had a dream or yeah. whatever. Like that's what the, the beauty of it, I think. Yeah, to- totally. What else are you working on at this point? You got the Browning thing that you mentioned. You're still working on two stories, part two. That's already a lot. But... Yeah. <laughs> um, so those are kind of what are on my plate so far. Uh, the funny thing is, so the Browning's book is definitely going to be like the next book out. Um that was sort of a pandemic just uh, thing that happened where I had this brief window <laughs> of time where I was waiting for editorial feedback on two stories, book two, and then Jacob's apartments galleys were out. And I was like, I called my sister up cause she had this brilliant script she had written. She's a edit- editor. Um, and uh, it was about the Brownings. And I just sent it to my literary agent with five pages that I just did and was like, Hey, this would be really cool to put out. And then it got picked up um, by West Margin, who actually published uh, work by the Brownings. So it's kind of like a perfect um, scenario. But it's funny um, right now. That's pretty time consuming because it's like when you like I haven't I've worked on obviously autobio stuff and uh, slice of life stuff, but it's mostly contemporary. So it's interesting when you're working from a script where it's like somebody just like you know, picks up a glass to have a drink or something. And you're like, wait, what, what did a glass look like in 1840? Like everything, (laughs) every single movement is like requiring so much research, but it's also super fun. And it makes me really admire the hell out of, um, you know, books like from hell and like great, like historical fiction that's been done in comics, like, um, uh, um, Jason Lutz Berlin, where it's like just the amount of intensity of like, just, like haircuts like clothing every movement like it all has to be well researched and um it's a lot of fun so right now that's pretty much my time consuming thing but i have this side thing um and i don't want to kill too much of your time but it came up while this i i think i might work on something comical after because i've been working on comping this out and the first page had like a scene where it kind of zooms in on a river in london um uh, and to show like a boat and it says like you know the location and then the date like 1840 and i had this visual pop in my head of like a guy on a jet ski like first it's a a shot of (laughs) historical victorian london and then you have a guy like under the london bridge like in the distance on a jet ski with a monocle and it kind of zooms in on him and says victorian england and then the way you would market it is like sell it as if it was a historical fiction that was well researched. 
Um, so that might actually, it's gonna, <laughs> that's really funny that I've told friends, but it's like, it might, I might actually just do like a weird Miami vice, like might take a Miami vice script and just put it in Victorian England. Wow. That yeah, might nice. be I love a straight face. Like, no, this is Victorian England. And <laughs> exactly. I promise you, I researched this. There were those are Victorian jet- sharks. Okay. They have top yeah. hats. Like what? Yeah. And they all rock oh, star dude jackets. That idea Jet amazing. ski time traveler. I, I'm here for it. That's yeah, it has to happen. Thing. Uh, well, this book is great. I loved reading it, despite what Pete was making you think that I was thinking. Uh, it's really good. Yeah, it's should re- pick it up. Yeah, congratulations. It's really yes, uh, so good having you on again. Appreciate talking about it, and we'll have you on for the next one. Awesome. I love the show. Um, yeah, and uh, I appreciate everybody who uh, pre-orders or orders it. I've, I've been on the pre-order rant lately, but order it. Go go get it. It's available yeah. at every bookstore. Commit. Yeah. Commit yeah. Awesome. to it. Josh, nice. have a great night. Pre-commit. Awesome. Take care. All right. Once again, that is Joshua Campbell. The book is called Jacob's Apartment, and it's out now from Graphic Monday, and it is real, real good. Real good. Yep. It's very funny to me that, Alex, you were like, before Pete got in your head, you were like, you know, it's just so slice of life. This is a show where we mostly talk about, like, Superman fighting Mongol. And you're like, <laughs> you know, this slice of life stuff, why don't you jazz it up a little bit? <laughs> no, that's not what I was saying at all. What I was saying was it was a refreshing change of pace because we haven't seen, I haven't read slice of life stuff in a good long time. So it was nice to see it again. You leave me alone, gonna, both of you. I'm going to send you a slice of life of my life. I'm going to send you okay. a slice of my life. Whoa, <laughs> okay, that sounds, sounds good. good. Why don't we bring in our last guests here? Yeah, they... let's insult the last guest, right, Sal? Let's do it. <laughs> oh, my God. Leave me alone, Pete. They are putting out a new anthology called Scott Snyder Presents Tales from the Cloakroom. It's on Kickstarter now, right? Ladies and gentlemen, C.K. Lawson and Aubrey Lynn Jepsen. Hello. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Uh, thank you so much for being here. This project is awesome, and it's killing it on Kickstarter right now. I think you have a I'm looking at the page uh the dog is howling in excitement yeah you have a 7500 goal you've blasted past it you're almost at twelve thousand dollars so that's awesome but the idea of this project is you were all in scott snyder's class and now you're putting out an anthology that came out of that class that's so cool cool Cool. (laughs) the end uh yeah so uh you know when Substack uh brought in all of the comic book um, creators and stuff uh, what drew a lot of us to Scott's is that it was offering a, a monthly class a- on writing comics. And so I guess starting in the fall of last year, uh, Joe G. Schuster, who created the the little nugget of, of the idea first, um, just there's a Discord server for the, the class, and there's about a thousand people in there. And uh, they put out um, that they were trying to see if people were interested in putting an anthology together. And then uh, they, Joe didn't feel like he had all of the skills required to pull it off. So he started bringing in other people as part of an editorial team, uh, reached out to Ben O'Grady. And then they just started posting in the Discord server, hey, if you're interested, let us know. And they set up a side Discord wow. server for all of us. And then brought on Aubrey, who has the most editorial experience out of all of us, probably all of us combined. And uh, then I was the latecomer to the group because I started as a, a writer. Uh, I have a story in the collection and then came on board because I wanted to learn as much as I could from Aubrey. 
Uh, Well, Aubrey, talk about putting this together then. What was involved? Was it, uh, I mean, I know from reading the Kickstarter and also from reading the book, but for those who are listening right now, what's the unifying theme of the book? So the unifying theme of the book is the jacket. So um, Scott Snyder has a, a press of his own called Best Jacket Press, and we wanted to pay like homage to him and like honor the fact that he's taught us all and we all came together because of his class and so um it was really an open call like if you just wanted to jump in this was really before i jumped in on the project but joe and ben were like hey if you want to do this um find your team and do this and so it was a really good opportunity because like it you know submitting to anthologies and such is hard and so it was really a really open opportunity that if you'll do the work we'll get you published and wow. so, yeah, that so we did that. Cool. And we've worked with them along the road too, like from script to art directing to everything. So they had, so like they weren't alone, like just making this piece of art. Like we were there helping everybody, all the writers work, work on their scripts. And then when they got art back saying, okay, this is outside of the area. Like there's an area when you print a book that things cannot be outside of. And a lot of people, especially yeah. writers don't know that because a lot of writers don't have that kind of education. And so yeah. like a lot of things we had to go back and be like, okay, this bubble's outside or this is outside of there. And um, this isn't making sense. We need to reposition those bubbles, like all of those fine details that you have to do. So what I love about this project is, and this is coming from like a theater improv sketch, whatever background, this feels like the ultimate class show in a certain way where like you go from <laughs> yeah. doing the class to actually seeing how it is in practice. So for, I mean, I guess Aubrey, uh, this might be different for you, but for CK, for you from the class to this experience, putting this together, what was that like? What did you learn? What were the tweaks? What were the changes? What were the big lessons you took away? Uh, from the from creating the uh, anthology or from Scott's class? Um, from going from Scott's class to creating this anthology. Sure. Um, and also to build off of what Aubrey said real quickly is, um, yeah, we just, we really wanted to honor the, the spirit of the fact that this is supposed to be educational, the class and everything. So um, we really tried to to get everyone into the collection that wanted in, whether it requires two hours of our time editorially or 20 hours of our time editorially. Um, uh, We've gotten a little burnt out several times along the way, trying our best to help everybody get there. (laughs) We've uh, provided a ton of resources to be like, hey, if you're here's a great Reddit place to go and find artists if you're struggling or we can recommend some great artists for you. So while they've been responsible for putting their team together, we have tried to guide them along the way as much as we could because we all want to learn from the experience. So uh, for me, um, you know, I've been a writer for quite a while, but this is now the first time I've decided to take writing really seriously. And for me, the biggest thing coming out of it, I mean, I learned at every stage. I learned, uh, I mean, let's face it, when I first joined, I'm pretty sure I said to the group, what's a pitch? And I just didn't even know that much. Like I was, I had written plenty of stories, but I was like, wait, what's a log line? What's a pitch? And so um, we really helped each other with resources as far as, you know, a lot of us have pitched to places where uh, I've been lucky enough to, to get into some other collections since the class started. 
Um, but uh, but a lot of them uh, kept getting turned away from pit, uh, from other anthologies. So we decided to have, start having like pitch, uh, pitch post mortems, where we would take oh, everybody's wow. pitches and analyze mm -hmm. them together and and uh, meet. That's and, super uh, helpful. Yeah, and so that we really are trying to honor the spirit of that we are all here to learn. We're all here to build a community, and so we've been doing things like that. Uh, for me, though, right from the get go, I. Um, I came in with a pretty good editorial eye, I think, just from what I do for a living uh, as my day job. And uh, thankfully, Aubrey has uh, uh, agreed with that there because I had a lot of imposter syndrome at first. Uh, but uh, I learned as far as the, the script review process goes, I learned that uh, not everybody is great at accepting feedback. Um, oh, yeah. You know, sometimes you'll Truth. get people who say, well, I've been published. Who are you to tell me? Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. what, whatever. Um, and then we've, of course, had really, really great collaborators for the most part. But you do have to learn to deal with those types of people. And I'm a pretty blunt person. So I had to, like, maybe learn to be a little bit more diplomatic um, with how I speak to people. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes you've been doing a podcast with somebody for, like, 15 years and they start criticizing you in the middle of the podcast. Don't make this about you. It's a really big issue, Pete. It's sharing with his Pete? life with us. Wow. Don't make this about Alex you. leaning leaning into the oh, microphone. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Well, you know. I will say 25% of our collection is slice of life. So have fun with that. Way to reignite the debate, CK. Uh, I, I, do have a, I do have a question for you um, about the Scott Center class. I feel like, um, could you tell us sort of how it works? Um, I feel like that's something that sounds very cool. But um, from the outside, I, I don't quite understand. <laughs> but is it? Let's find out. <laughs> well, no, not even is it. I don't I, like is if there are like a, is, it, is it discord based? Like, how does the actual process work? OK, sorry. Um, so Scott has like a monthly. Uh, I think it's on Zoom. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm trying to remember which platform we use. We use Zoom and he has like a monthly Zoom where he goes over a concept and he kind of started with more basic stuff like story structure and then went into character. And then he's gone through things like collaboration because like a lot of a lot of the people in the class are brand new. Not every writer in our, our anthology is brand new to comics. Like several of them have been published before, things like that. But um, he really did make it so that if you had never written a comic script before or you had only just started reading comics, that you could still grasp how the medium is different from other mediums. Um, and then there is a Discord. So people use that to kind of discuss classes. If you, uh, I believe it's the people who have paid for like the full year, um, they got valid, valid, I can't say that word. They got a special status where um, they could ask nice. questions and we get like a quarterly Q&A. So we get even a little bit more content and a little bit more of like getting our questions answered than um, other people might that um, are maybe month to month. But like, I would say it's really useful. Like I've been, I've been trying to do comics for about 10 years and I felt like the class was really good. I felt like Scott mm. has some insights that like, I mean, I've taken classes from tons of different people in comics at this point. And I, and everyone has insights I wouldn't have thought of and, and they're all different. And so I just think it's, really valuable educational content if you want to get into comics and so not to um, turn into a scott snyder love fest but i do feel like <laughs> just talking to him about comics he's someone who not doesn't just talk about his personal process like a lot of people he talks about the process and then he's like it's he tries to engage so hard with you do you understand the process how would your process be if you were to even do this and we're just interviewing him for like 
our show or uh, for a website or something. And he was still doing that. So I can't imagine when he's like definitely fully in that work. That's that's so cool. Yeah, his uh, his energy is definitely infectious. But yeah, it's a uh, seven dollars a month. You have um, access to all of the archives of the classes. So if you were to oh. join now for seven bucks a month, you have an access to, you know, a year's worth of classes. The last hmm. class of this uh, class that was a lot of classes uh ends uh, <laughs> july 13th I, th I think is the last date um but oh but to go back to your previous question real quickly um yeah we've learned along the way just how to handle um not only editorial scripts but also like aubrey was talking about i've learned about how to handle trim work and copy safe and all that from uh from the visual um side learned how to budget which um, when doing a Kickstarter is something I didn't realize how much time that would take, uh, and running all of these different budget scenarios, learned how to build a Kickstarter campaign. Um, and, uh, yeah. So basically for me, every step along the way has been a learning process. So. Class sounds amazing. How, uh, how involved or not was Scott in this actual project? Was it more his blessing or was he ushering it along or did he pitch more? ideas and you guys like, no, Scott, you know, now we're <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh my Why God. don't you let us do a little storytelling? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, no, it was definitely more of a, we had his blessing very early on to, to do the anthology and he had said he would lend his name to it. Oh wow. And to me, awesome. that just guys. blows me out of the water because, like, I, there are very few people I'd let use my name on things without, like, <laughs> knowing them well, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. But um, he was very benevolent in that, that he was like, yeah, you guys can use my name. And then he, for the Kickstarter, he he's promoted us, and then he also offered to sign books. So we added a tier with oh, signed wow. books. And oh, that's wow. been a really well-selling tier. So yeah. <laughs> he's been incredibly supportive. Um, he hasn't been involved at all in the editorial. He really just trusted us, apparently. Um, because on <laughs> so the editorial cool. end, like, we've done our thing. Um, he's just been... And then uh, his, his, his editorial assistant, uh, Tyler Jenis, has also been incredibly helpful. He's usually been our contact to communicate back and forth with Scott. And so, um, yeah, they've just been so supportive and we're so grateful, like... It's amazing. Well, I, I just want to say, because we haven't actually talked about the content of the book really at all without spoiling any of the stories. It's such a cool collection that yeah. you, all of you have put together. The yeah. art is so gorgeous and so varied across the board. It's yeah, awesome. But... The stories are in the best way all over the place from, let's say, Slice of Life, like you're saying. To uh, absolutely oh, fantastic no, not, story, not something so small. You know what I mean? Like there, there are bigger things Pete. happening in it too. Pete, come on, Pete! <laughs> Don't get all close to the Pete, Slices can be big if you hit yeah. the right pizza uh, spot. Yeah, exactly. I'm talking like I slice when I got a pizza. I just slice it straight in half, and that's two slices right there. That's how I always do it. I don't know how you do it. The anyway, there's a great variance in terms of the content of the stories as well as the art of the stories, and it's really awesome. So congratulations on all of that. Yeah, I really enjoyed reading it. It was uh, it was really impressive. Congratulations. Thank Will you. there be more of these? There is talk of that. Um, but real quickly, yeah, so a quarter of our collection is Slice of Life, a quarter is horror, a quarter is sci-fi, and then a quarter is everything else. And so we, uh, and luckily our creators, uh, we were um, very cognizant of trying to support uh, underrepresented communities. So uh, over 50% of our creators are um, women, uh, 2SLGBTQIA+, um, 
uh, BIPOC, um, like myself, a person with a disability, et cetera. And um, we also tried to, for those out there wondering, we got a lot of questions about how does a, how did you make a multi-genre one work? Is uh, we just worked on that album flow where, you know, if this one's a high packed action, yeah. then the next one's going to be a slow slice, slice of life and then kind of create. Oh, flow smart. Like that. Nice. Yeah. So, um, that's so that's kind of how we tackled it for anybody listening. That's like, well, mm, I'm, you know, you're used to buying a collection. It'd be an all horror or, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, some people don't like slice of life. So, you know, you got to deal with that. But uh, <laughs> not but, yeah. me. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. Jesus. <laughs> uh, but uh, I lost my train of thought. But... There, there are talks of, um, there's talks of someone else in the class who's trying to get a, a next next anthology together. There's been some discussions of some of the editorial team, probably not us. Um, if I uh, sorry to speak for UCK, but uh, others like remaining and trying to do a second version, like Tales from the Cloakroom too. Um, so I'd I'd keep your eyes out. There may be more. Nice. Well, this is great. Good luck. It doesn't seem like you need it necessarily because you're already killing it on the Kickstarter, but I hope you get even more and more because it's such a cool project. Congratulations. And thank you so much for coming on tonight. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you. That is cool, man. I tell you, it's a, it's an impressive collection. For sure. Super impressive. Again, that was C.K. Lawson and Aubrey Lynn Jepsen. The project is called Scott Snyder Presents Tales from the Cloakroom. It's on Kickstarter now. As of this recording, you got another 11 days. So you can jump on that right now and get it. Hey, Brent. Have you ever seen Babylon 5 before? Babylon 5? You mean that show from the 90s? Yep. No. You want to watch it for the first time? Let's do it. Babylon 5 for the first time. Not a Star Trek podcast. We are two veteran Star Trek podcasters watching Babylon 5 for the first time. We're searching for Star Trek-like messages in the series and deciding if we should have watched it sooner. You can find us on Good Pods, YouTube, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Babylon 5, for the first time, not a Star Trek podcast. Attention podcast listeners and YouTube watchers. I'm Logan, the host of Mostly Superheroes, a weekly pursuit for the world's best stories with an emphasis on live-action superhero stuff. Every week, join me, PC Mike, The Giggler, Scotty Scoop, and Carrie as we talk MCU, DCU, books, TV, movies, and more. MostlySuperheroes.com is where you want to be. Watch us on YouTube, listen where you get your podcasts, and we'll see you Monday, Sunday on Patreon. Enjoy the rest of the show. And folks, what we're going to move with our podcast. That was. <laughs> oh, we're going to move with our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It is your audience question. Yep. And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop "ask a question" in "ask a question" on Crowdcast, or you can drop a question in the comments over on YouTube. But first, Soup. as usual, we have uh, been having our CBC chef Brett Macris. Well, usually he is curating stuff. This week, his challenge was to choose a beer you like and then drink that beer as the drink for the show. So let's talk about what we're drinking. Pete. Oh, oh, Justin, do you want to go first? Because I don't think you have a beer. Uh, No, ironically, I'm rarely bringing a cocktail tonight. Uh, (laughs) Not out of some sort of thumb in the eye for our our CBD. Yeah, God, man. If we could stop attacking the people that uh, come on our show, that'd be great. Mm, I'm drinking um, a, a, a gin that I found. Someone uh, brought around to where, where I am in upstate New York. You just York. found it? 
<laughs> yeah, found it just in a walking down stuff. the street, and, and then you're like, "Hey, there's a bottle. It's probably booze." Uh, it's a gunpowder gin, and it Ooh. is uh, really good. Nice. I'm a little worried about you Pete. Being... What about you? You got harangued at the beer store again, is what I'm getting. No, this is still from the last excursion. Uh... Oh, okay. Were they? So, what are you drinking? A bash? A monster bash? You're, you're, you're ashamed to show us on the camera when you're even holding. You're like shy. You I don't shy know what. It, I don't know what it is. It says peach rhubarb mash. <laughs> Pete, what is happening? No, I can't I imagine know. you being like, I'd like to pay for this, let alone put it in your car. Well, the pro- bring the it problem is, drinking. as I told you, I walked in there and like all of a sudden I'm too old for beer. Like all these labels, I'm like, what does this mean? Why is everything what, what so you, sour? Recluse? Like the bright lights of the big city beer store scared you? Also, if you see something named Peach Rhubarb Smash or whatever you just said, I'm surprised you picked that up. Well, I thought it said like smash on it. I was like, oh, I like smashing things. Pete oh, smash. Boy. Yeah, exactly. It's it's very funny to me. I guarantee you this store had like an IPA and a Pilsner and whatever. And you ended up with the most non-Pete stuff Light. possible. <laughs> yeah. I That's what I was looking for. But, you know, I had this whole like wall of all these crazy looking beers. And I was just like staring at it for like 10 minutes. And this guy was like. Sir, do you need help? And I was like, get away from me. You panic, just ran your arm down the shelf and grabbed whatever was Yeah, exactly. I should say that I'm in upstate New York, so I am crushing Labatt Blues, the official mm, beer of excellent. the top part of New York State. And it is just what you need. Yeah, man. Uh, I got like special. today a, there we go, Six Point Brewery Pineapple Resin Whoa. Hazy Deepa with Pineapple. It's a See, limited release. Were you yeah. scraping res over there, bro? Yeah, there you go. It's real good. Very good. Uh, Straight Bullet is asking me, so before the show, I went to the beer distributor and found uh, this place that had Skittles beer, uh, Skittlebrow, if you know the Simpsons reference, as well as a nice. Fluffernutter beer. And I was like, ha ha, I'm not going to buy this. And then I bought it because I have no impulse control. Uh, but... <laughs> I also haven't had a drink for two weeks because of COVID. Uh, right, so right. this is the first drink I had. And I was like, I don't want my first drink in two weeks to be Skittles oh. beer. Yeah, just ease into it with a double IPA with pineapple flavoring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, yeah, a, what a health nut you're, we got on you're, our hands. You're killing it, Sobs. It wasn't about health. Logical. It was you're about so, something that I know so that I was actually going to like rather than something gross that I was going to torture myself with for comedy on this show. You're going to slip into the cozy chair of a pineapple IPA? Yeah. You're, you're a god, man. You're, I don't want to drink a gone. Skittles beer. I'll drink this pineapple IPA. That's so much smarter. It is. It's delicious. It's I will say, Pete, you can't uh, yell at Alec from the soapbox of peach rhubarb smash. <laughs> just, just be cool. Be careful, dog. You're a little yeah. out over your skis. <laughs> All right, we got a bunch of questions that are piling up. So why don't we get into them? Uh, let's see. We got one here on Crowdcast. This is from Edward Darty. I'm driving between Sydney and Canberra with my eight year old nephew, and we are listening wow. in the car. He wants to know if uh. you have heard of a comic strip called Foot Rot Flats. If not, if you were to write a newspaper comic strip about your pets, what would they do in it? 
Wow. Well, in my case, my dog would bark during podcasts. Yeah. Hey, I'm not going to stand for you talking bad about Pip because Pip don't fucking slip. All right. It's one <laughs> well, of the greatest. You should be remember, a eight year old is listening to this podcast, but go off. Hey, life is not hard. Eight year old. I wish you well with it. <laughs> uh, foot rot flats. I have not heard of, but um, I like that style. And I once drove from Sydney to Canberra and had a lovely drive. Aww. Pete, what about you? Pet comic book strip? Uh, well, the comic strip that uh, I drew when I was a kid, uh, every once in a while, did feature my dog, who was uh, my sidekick and would, could also fly. Hmm. Very nice. Huh. I don't have any pets currently, but if I was to do a comic strip about a pet, it would probably be my turtle, Jeremy, from when I was a kid, who oh. hated me. And used to bite me every chance that he would get. Hated I love that turtle. Jeremy Spokane. (laughs) That makes me so happy. I I gave Jeremy away to the local science museum and he only got larger. I bet. Wait, you gave him away because he hated you? No, because I was going away to college. My parents didn't want to take away, uh, take care of him. So, you know, turtles grow as large as their container. So I kept him in an aquarium and he was like... I don't know. I'm trying to think how to describe this for uh, audio podcasts, like a face-sized oh, turtle, al- an Altoid case. Yes, uh, maybe a little larger than that. But by the time I got back to the science museum a year later, he was—I don't know—half the size of me or something like that. Because it he's been insane. working out, planning you were, his you vengeance. Yeah, he's he's like, got I see you, buddy. I see you, buddy. Coming yeah, for you. Like, Watch yourself. Fucking, I'm gonna get you, Zelda. All right, Dad. I grew up, and you're in trouble. Yeah, you just... Alex, you didn't want to be one of the cool freshmen who brought their turtle with them <laughs> freshman year, dude? Did I did I did you? miss out on turtle days at Cornell. Pete knows what I'm talking about. Ithaca college students weren't allowed. Wow. Yeah. The fight well, oh, dang, we missed out on turtle days. But yeah. I tell you what, it's fucked up that you did, did that to your turtle after you just, uh, you know... Just uh, we do have a question turtle. here. This is from Sherlock on YouTube. I don't know if he hopped over here despite asking him to. Uh, He says, can I take the secret Punisher quiz even though I do not have a Crowdcast account? Oh, man. Well, Stray Bullies is in the process of taking the... uh, Do we like... I think it's open to anyone. Somebody else can jump in, but the question is, do you want to do it with somebody on YouTube? Yeah, I mean, you know, we just... It's going to be a little bit of a delay, but, you know... That's right. We can just um, fill. It. Why don't we fill it with another quiz? Yeah, there we go. Or another question. Is there is there another uh, quiz? We well, how make? about this? So Sherlock, uh, here we go. I'm going to tell. Hey, Sherlock, you're on for the Punisher quiz. Nice. This Answer is really behind the curtain. You get to hear Alex typing. Comments. I'm yeah, doing this yeah, for the. Nice, he gives us the typing monologue. I'm doing this for the audio podcast, guys. Yep. I don't know if you remember, we do an audio podcast Rat as well. Cat. Yeah. But Pete, why don't you ask a question in the Punisher quiz? Sherlock will answer in the YouTube comments. In the meantime, we'll answer another question. Well, here's the problem. Like, Stray Bullet made it through a certain number of questions. And yeah, then Alex, failed. if you don't remember one of the major components of the Punisher quiz, you have to oh, repeat God. the same question. No, just over go again. forward. Just ask the next question, Pete. Uh, well, that's the thing. Should this new person have to start at the beginning? No, of the I'm saying quiz? very specifically or... don't. Start Don't do that. Where... Just start at the next. Ask the next question. 
Because uh, despite what we said earlier, I don't think anybody likes to uh, listen to us not say anything. Do you think when they were oh, workshopping Wheel of Fortune, it was sort of like this? They were just like, Probably. exactly. No, no, no. Ask one question. Put a puzzle up and then spin yeah. the wheel. Vanna was like, how much, uh, how much silence question. do you want on the show? A couple of minutes of silence? Because uh, like people... Vanna doesn't talk. She's like, I, no. I'll handle the silence. Yeah, she's good. Ask a question, Pete. Next question in the Punisher quiz. All right. All right. I, You know, I'm trying to remember where we left off here. Just wait, mm-hmm. man. Jesus Christ. Um, I think it was. Okay. Yeah. I think it's, we'll start with, we'll start with number five. Okay. All right. Here we go. Uh, question number five. Who wrote the Punisher kills the Marvel universe? Is it a Stephen Grant, B Garth Ennis or C Chuck Dixon? Nice. All right, Sherlock, answer that question. In the meantime, we're going to go over here to another question on Crowdcast. Definitely don't Google that, though, because yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Pablo D. Martinez says, do you like your comics signed on the cover or not? Ooh. Well, it depends on... I think so. Cover it up. It depends on what's happening, because it's like, you know, uh, some covers... You know, you might ruin it. It's a beautiful cover, so you could get them signed on a different page where the signature, you know, doesn't take away from the art. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to have them sign a bad comic that they didn't write, just to be like, that way they don't ruin it. Like as a test. Yeah, they just keep them together. I I think the cover. I wouldn't want it on another page because then I wouldn't know it was signed. I do understand the impulse to not like ruin the comic book by drawing on it, but. Mm-hmm. If you're going to get it signed, get it signed to the cover. I signed comic is added value. It's like putting, exactly. a, putting a patio on your house. Yep. Sherlock <laughs> says B. Is the answer B? That is correct. All right. Good job, Sherlock. Let's get the next question in the Punisher quiz. Okay. Question number six. What Punisher title did Chuck Dixon write in 1993? Is it oh, A? Okay. The Punisher Back to School Special, B, Marvel Knights, or is it C, The Punisher, A Man Named Frank? Hmm. All right. While Sherlock is coming up with the answer for that, Nelson Martinez over on YouTube says, there have been a lot of great comics turned into live-action TV shows like Umbrella Academy and Lock and Key. What's a show you'd like turned into a comic uh, oh, what's a show you'd like turned into a comic? I'd like to see a Suicide Squad comic myself. I feel like this is mm. a joke question. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> oh, because of that last bit? Yes, uh, but we've talked about this before, but plenty of new shows have come out. What show would you like to see turned into a comic? I'll throw one out that did have a very short comic book story, but I think would be perfect for a comic book continuation is Raised by Wolves, which was recently canceled at HBO Max. Uh, The creator of the show did a short comic story that is awesome for DC, but um, if they don't actually end up getting picked up by another place, which I kind of suspect they won't, do more on on comic books. Yeah. I mean, I would throw out a show I'm watching uh, and really enjoying right now, um, The Old Man. Uh, Oh, yeah. It's some of that. uh, It's got the right amount of action that you could make a a fun uh, comic out of it and a lot going on. I would like to um, see uh, 
a Street Fighter Two, uh, the animated comic, is what I would like to see. I think that exists, Pete. Well, great. Then they did it. It's it's crazy, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> then they did it. Well, then that Marvel just... versus Capcom, the comic then. Let me throw out, Pete, you had a real opportunity here with the entire comic world listening, ready to make whatever you said came out of your mouth, and you didn't say the answer, Ted Lasso. And I'm shocked because you just killed the opportunity for a Ted Lasso comic. Ah, uh, don't say that. I'm sure that's in the works as we speak. Uh, by the way, Nelson clarifies that instead of Suicide Squad, he actually meant a Squid Game comic, ah, which yeah. makes a lot more sense and is a better idea. Uh, Sherlock says B for the next answer. Is that correct, Pete? That is incorrect. Ooh, so Punisher quiz Ooh. stopped. That means we're going to have to do that more. All right, why don't we move on to another question here from Crowdcast. <laughs> Uh, I spend too much time on Twitter arguing with Snyder fans, and it has caused me to reflect... Oh, this is from Straight Bullet, by the way. I spend too much time on Twitter Mm -hmm. arguing with Snyder fans, and it has caused me to reflect a little. Has gatekeeping gone too far? Are we too stuck worrying about continuity and what others will do with our favorite characters in various media? Also, I want to take the Punisher quiz. Uh, great. So I'm going to invite Stray Bullet in, and while we're waiting for him to come in, <laughs> what is, what uh, is going on? Do you have a deadline on get this puzzle quiz out the door? I want to. I want to get through this one so that we can get to my cipher quiz. Oh, right. Smart. <laughs> Smart. That's very funny. Because I love you're like, okay, do the puzzle quiz. We're gonna answer some questions in between your questions. It's bat, 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 let's mow this down. It's like a parent being like, Okay, it's bedtime. Finish your book and then brush your teeth. We're gonna get through this. That's how I do bedtime, baby. Uh what do you think? Has gatekeeping gatekeeping gone too far? Oh, here's straight bullet. Hello. Hey. Hi. Hey. Are you ready to Hi. do the Punisher quiz? Uh, yeah. yeah, sure. I guess. All right. I don't know. Speaking nice, dude. Yes. yes. Mm, Black yes. Lives Matter shirt. Agreed. That's, that's the Jerry Ordway. Uh, one of his. Um, he got mad that the yeah. cops and the yeah, dude. I were, I did the same uh, thing. I got it. a I got a shirt too to support it. It was a great, great idea. Great cause. Um, yeah. All right, stray bullies. Um, I was on well, first the answer. The answer the question. Um, oh, three. You, you know. I was thinking about this before of like getting angry at somebody like and yelling into the void does eat up a lot of t- my time and energy and it's kind of sure. like this thing of like what am I doing I don't know this person I don't really respect this person whereas I found like if we're on a patreon slack when I'm talking to you or somebody else that I kind of know from you know just being around over the years it's a little bit more of a dialogue, a little bit more of a back and forth where you're actually listening instead of just being like, you fuck it. You know what I mean? Like just so <laughs> into the oh, I've never really done that, but um, okay. you know, like the Snyder fans on uh, Twitter are wild. It's insane. Like, so at some point I was like, is this really worth my energy? Like, I know that currently Batman doesn't kill. Apparently the Snyder guys will make any excuse. And I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing. I realize this, but, uh, you know, it's Zack Snyder, it not Scott Snyder. So who much. About earlier. Yeah, no, not. No, Scott no, this Snyder. is Schneider, the character. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. So anyway, it was like, really, you're right. It was sucking up on my energy. And I was like, should I really give a shit about this? At all? Uh, I mean, the answer is no, you shouldn't. Necessarily. No, the is no. Yeah, you absolutely shouldn't waste your time on it because nobody's going to change their mind about anything online. Yeah. There's no scenario where you're going to dunk on somebody online and they're going to be like, you're right. I changed my mind. It's just not going <laughs> to happen. Right. So, I mean, per, me and but, Jolene have also had like epic fights in, yeah, those in the yes. Slack. But I, and, I appreciate those. Even those are like, I don't, I, I don't know. I yeah, like and, because I like, I like both of your sides. Yeah. And uh, like Pete is saying, I think when you know the people, you can have those sort of arguments and discussions and move on from there because you know, generally, you respect the other person or know the other person and it's okay. But online, you don't have that because you don't know the person. So there's that. The second aspect of it is I do think it's this whole sports type thing where it's like, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. My guy's going to win. My guy is Batfleck and Batfleck's going to win. And it's just all about like jockeying for that. And it's all about that dunking back and forth versus any actual legitimate discourse. So yeah. So answer is it's not worth it, but sometimes it's fun. So there is that. Sometimes it's fun. Wow. Especially when Jolene posts like what does she call it? Like ice water, wet water, whatever, wet ice. <laughs> All the water ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, the whole shaved ice, ice, water ice, ice, water ice. All right, listen, I'm on a deadline with this Punisher quiz though. Okay, so we gotta right, here get we this go. Going. No, Back to question to number six. Oh my god, Pete. What Punisher Wait, title? I didn't number three. What's no, that? I think we're it's okay. Yeah. We're we're moving on. We're, we're moving on. Yeah. Oh, we're done. Okay, so number three was Electra. Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> Here we go. What Punisher title did Chuck Dixon write in nineteen ninety three? A the Punisher Back to School special, B Marvel Knights, or C the Punisher, a man named Frank. Let's see. Incorrect. Wow. <laughs> this wow. question well, is a real stumper. Sorry, Alex, guys. This quiz is The Punisher quiz lives on. Going. <laughs> and you didn't do question five. Or four. You didn't do question four. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Stray, stop. We're going forward. <laughs> yeah, we can't go back. We can't go back. All right. Thank you for popping in. Have a good Great night. Great to see you, Stray Bullies. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Nice. Wait. So, what's the name of this brewery again? It's Brew Carré. Yes. Named after the Vu Carré, which is French Quarter. Great nice. And Good stuff. I, that's a brewery that I need. I didn't go to last time I was in uh, New Orleans, and I gotta go. I'm going. I know there was a beer waiting for you on the board too. I know. I, I oh, fucked up. My oh man! All right. Good. So, if you I know any of you, there'll be a beer waiting for you on the board. Oh, love it. All right. Thanks, Brett. Have a good night. Later. All right. We've got a bunch more beer questions here. Beer on the board. There's a beer on we the board. We got a question here from Lou on YouTube. I recently rewatched all the X-Men films. What are your personal favorites? Mine is first class. Nice. Uh, uh, that's I'm a, probably a tough re- That's a tough rewatch. I yeah. I, I mean, yeah. the only Quicksilver parts are the only things that I think are worth it. And, uh, from the whole I've series? watched all of them. The whole X-Men series. Yeah, I've watched all the... Just the Quicksilver slow-mos? We're not even talking about the second reboot cast. We're talking about every X-Men movie. Yeah. Uh, what? I mean, I've I, I got to shout X-Men out movie. 
the um the siege of the mansion in X two, my favorite part. Great stuff. Love. It. Um, I I. First class, like there's problems with it. I think very obvious problems with it, but it's the only one that actually comes close to kind of like nailing being an X-Men movie, honestly. And yeah. super good, super poppy, super fun for most of the running time. Everybody is great in the movie. Um, uh, for me, it was uh, the first one where, um, um, oh my God, why am I blanking on Wolverine's? No, Wolverine's uh, nemesis, Sabretooth. The guy who played Sabretooth was unbelievable. Tyler Mayne? Uh No, I think it was the wrestler, dude, wasn't it? Tyler Mayne. Oh, well, anyway. Yeah. I, <laughs> but I was... love that. B walks away from that, not agreeing with you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, anyway, I don't care what you said. I don't care about it. Anyway. See you later. Great. All right, this is a question from Kevin reigniting an oldie but a goodie. What are your favorite slice of life comics or slice of life <laughs> issues in otherwise actiony comics? Oh, otherwise actiony. Well, the best slice of life for me is uh, too cool to be forgotten. Hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I was going to call out an Alex Robinson book as well, which is Box Office Poison, which is basically like reality bites on the Lower East Side and. It's so good. It's great. Both great books. Shout out that A Rob. I guess uh, my favorite slice of life, um, Head Lopper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> heads, heads be getting lopped. That's I mean, it depends, here's the thing. It depends on your Hell life. Yeah. You're talking about slice of life. You got to. It depends uh, on your life. My... And that's my life. I got. I live a head in life. Wow, that's amazing. Ooh, we got an old great. friend. I think here in the comments over on YouTube. This is Tomer Odar. Oh, what yeah. Panel... Hey. hey, Tomer. Uh, what panel presentations news are you most anticipating from San Diego Comic-Con in a few weeks? Ooh. Oof. I mean, this is like a big San Diego. It's like, it feels like the energy's been building for uh, throughout all of COVID. We're, we're back. I think there's going to be, it's going to be intense coming out. The big one, I think, is the Marvel studio. Marvel is having a panel again, and they have not at all panel or announcement, I think, since like whatever it was, that Disney Plus day where they announced one kabillion things. And on top of that, like they, we're in an information desert, I feel like, when it comes to sort of what's happening with this phase. So I agree with you, Alex. I think that panel is going to be huge. Yeah. And and I think that's the point when everybody has been asking, like, it's been a perennial question. We've asked it on our podcast. Everybody has been talking about it. The press has been talking about it of like, what is Marvel right now? Like, what is phase four? Where is it going? What is the next step? We don't have a Thanos. We don't have an Infinity Saga or anything like that. And I think this is the point. I don't think they're going to lay out the whole story or anything like that. But I think they're going to pull out that old timeline and be like, here it is. Phase four ends here. Young Avengers or Dark Avengers or whatever it is. Here's phase five. Here's phase six. Question marks. Daredevil is coming back. We're bringing back Jessica Jones. We're bringing back all of this stuff. And it's just going to like blow the roof off and... There's a lot of other things there. I'm very interested in Prime Video's Lord of the Rings. They're doing a bunch of huge panels, so I'm like very curious about that. But nothing's going to touch that Marvel Studios panel, I don't think. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, what's your call, Pete? What are when, you looking forward to? 
Oh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just smoking, smoking weed with Kyle Baker to panel. <laughs> Getting baked with a baker. I think it's one of those things where uh, I, I'm just excited that it's happening and uh, we can kind of get back into the swing of things a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, there. I'm excited for other things to get going outside of Marvel and uh, kind of give us a little bit more slice of life stuff. You know what I mean? Wow. The <laughs> Joker right. the Joker 2 panel, Alex? Be Can't wait. It's going to be all musical. Michael Tillman asks, it's my brother's birthday on Thursday. Fellow Patreon supporter Andrew Tillman, what oh. comic theme celebration should he partake in and do you have any gift ideas for him? Uh, well, Midtown's comic gift card online is always a good thing to get somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I always Perfect. go, you go with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle party pack, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you go down to party city or something and get yourself a fun thing like that, you know? Yep. That's nice. Nice. Really nice. I think, doesn't the thing turn human on his birthday? Uh, mm-hmm. I think the reverse. I think, uh, he should have the ability to become the thing for his oh. birthday. You, you can just cover that- him with rocks. You maybe duct tape, uh, Michael. You can duct tape rocks to Andrew and just uh, <laughs> yeah, duct tape after, rocks. Wait, don't, to your when, he's sleeping, when he's yeah. sleeping, when he's sleeping, wake goes. him up after you got the rocks attached, and he's gonna have a fun day. Kevin has a reasonable suggestion here in the comments, an evening screening of Thor Love and Thunder. I guess you could do something like that. The thing I was gonna suggest is, is since you're bowl. both in the Patreon Slack, hit up the food and drink portion of the slack brett has been creating a bunch of like more high-end comic book themed cocktails which are super good super delicious um so you could probably get a couple of suggestions there. that's a great that's a great answer mm-hmm. but i just keep get in mind drunk with your brother thing. yeah yeah keep in mind the rocks this is we got two more here i think this is from sherlock who just did the Punisher quiz over on YouTube. What was the first comic you guys remember getting into as a kid and really enjoying? Mm, great question. Well, for me, it was the, uh, it was the first time I got to pick something from the spinner rack. And I've said this before, but it was a, a cover of Captain America with like two Uzis. And mm. uh, he was screaming and uh, shooting some guns. And I was like, what is happening here? This guy seems cool. Yeah. I've also definitely mentioned this before, but I started reading the X-Men books around Fall of the Mutants, and like that was in the middle so of, much about you. Middle of it, and I was like, oh my god, this is so dark and awesome, and I love this, and I was completely hooked. And I think if anything, like that was the thing that I've told this before too, but I was running out of room for comic books, and my dad was like, All right, you gotta sell some we're gonna go to a comic book convention and so i kind of had to choose between dc and marvel i had a whole batman collection whole superman collection bunch of other comic books sold all of those books probably about like 500 comics for 90 bucks i was like this is the most money i've ever seen in my entire life this is amazing but that's how i ripped off it's still the most money i've ever seen in my entire life uh but yeah i stuck with marvel for years after that and it was all because of the x-men books there's nothing worse than when you have to sell your comics and then you hold on to your dreams and these amazing pieces of art and they're like, oh, I'll give you 90 bucks for all of it. But I think you're spreading it out into the world like a beautiful mm-hmm. coronavirus. Um, I would say... Uh, <laughs> oh 
the first series, I'm going to go with the Korvac saga, which ran through the annuals back in the mid nineties. Uh, ran through like, I think silver surfer, fantastic four, a couple others really enjoyed that. And, uh, still think about that today. But the comic that got me hooked and going to comic book shops was Eastman and Laird's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Hmm. All right. I think we got time for one more here. This is from our good friend, Pablo D. Martinez. Hey, Thor Pablo. Love, Thor Love and Thunder has opened its embargo 69% on Rotten Tomatoes so far. Are you going to see it? it Dogs are it. howling. Or wait till Disney Plus in 45 days. No, I'm not waiting. That's way too long. You can't stay away from spoilers for 45 days. Oh, I'm seeing it. I don't care about spoilers. This movie looks fun. It does look fun. It does look fun. You got your tickets? You guys uh, got your tickets already? No, I don't have my tickets yet. Uh, but What do you have, Alex? No, I, don't, I have a spoiler that I'm, I'm bursting at the seams. Oh, so I can tell you. Soon know people it. on you know this podcast you, about. You know, I don't want to say who specifically. Wait, you know something? Wait, about is this something we're going to enjoy? One of us is going to enjoy it? I think or, one of a, one of us is going to enjoy it. I don't want to say who. Could be no, me. No, I want you to say who. That, you don't, don't tell us the spoiler. Tell us who's going to like it. Okay. Do, is it going to be no. a spoiler if I say who's going to like it? Don't, don't fucking that, ruin this movie It's not a spoiler to say which one of us is going to like it. Pete is going to lose his shit. Oh, oh my God. That's interesting. Oh, my God. In a God. good way, you're saying. In a positive mm-hmm. way. Yeah, oh, positive, wow. positive shit losing. Oh, my God. I'm not ready. You're not ready. I'm not ready. There I'm going to be up in the cha-cha this weekend, so it'll be a mm. fun movie-going experience. I'm coming right. for you, Justin. I'm coming up to the upstate. You can't get this far north, brother. Dude, <laughs> let's meet halfway. Come on, man. Halfway between Rochester, where you are. Meet me at the movie theater. All right. My dogs are howling and the dogs are howling. So why don't we move on to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All right. It's about time I had some uh, trivia moments. You know what I mean? Reading questions (laughs) and stuff. Ooh, we had Pablo with a hand up here. Can I just bring Pablo in? Sure. All right. right. Here we go. Today's trivia is on topical comic news. not in yet. You got to set it up for him. He might not know it's on topical comic book news. Fine. I'll wait. I'll patiently wait. But he's going to be playing for a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Here's Pablo, everybody. Hello, Pablo. Oh, Pablo's gone. He was here. Oh, well. And now he's back. There we go. All right. Take it away, Pete. All right. Today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend, Bo Hopkins. All right, Pete. Okay. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one. In Venom number 10, out in August, they asked the question, who is blank? Is it A, Bedlam, B, Jewel, or C, Peter O'Toole? So it's either A, Bedlam, or B, Jewel. It's got to be A. You are correct, sir. Here we go. Question number two. What artist will be joining Dan Slott on Spider-Man? Is it A, Mark Bagley, B, Sure Gladly, or C, Liv Schreiber? So it's either going to be A, which is the only one that makes sense, or you could pick something else. Uh, there's nothing else, because A is the answer. That is correct. Mark Bagley should be fun. Last one. 
who will Valiant be bringing, bringing back in a mature reader series? Is it A, Joan B. Staying, B, Jonah Going, or C, Bloodshot? So it's either A, B, or you could pick C, which makes sense. Oh, boy. Um, Don't overthink it, Pablo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What are the answers again? Say C, Bloodshot. (laughs) Um, Okay, I'm going with C. C. There you go. Congratulations. All right. Great job, Pablo. You are going to get a $20 gift card to Midtown Comics. We'll send it your way. Always good seeing you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. There we go. And who, well, what was the secret movie, Pete? That's right. Uh, Kevin is right. Uh, Phantoms, yo. The 1998 hit. Hit? All right. As we all know, (laughs) comics are coming out and that's cool what are you looking forward to pete that is out in comic book stores this week well i'll tell you there's a lot of great stuff that i'm looking Mm. forward to uh two of them being poison ivy number two and Mm. dc versus vampires number seven there you go get out of here those are literally the two i was gonna say (laughs) (laughs) well i can go in the meantime unless you No, i got i got don't worry i got i'm fully loaded batman killing time number five by oh yeah dude that was good great read came together in a way that i somehow didn't see coming but really enjoyed are you guys with me on that yeah yeah absolutely we're gonna save our reviews for the podcast but sure man (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm going to shout out also that Texas Blood number 15. One of my uh, favorite books. Nice I always God, Jesus, you're a broken record. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Mind Management Bootleg number one from Dark Horse Ooh. Comics. Loved Mind Management. Very curious to see how and why it comes back. And in particular, this has not just Matt Kitt writing, but also Farrell Dalrymple art, which is. Always Alex, awesome. you shouldn't buy bootlegs of comics. You should buy the real thing. You know what I mean? That's not you're not supporting the artist. No, I when it's cold out, I put boots on my legs, and that's always a good thing. So I have to assume bootlegs are a good thing. Uh, that's wow, true. Alex has full leg legging boots that go all the way up to his <laughs> right up to the crotch. Uh, if <laughs> you're not ugging, you're bugging. I always say. <laughs> oh my god! Do you have full that? length Uggs? Wow! I'm curious <laughs> you where you're it. going in those. Anyway, all of those are going to be in our Stack podcast that rolls out Wednesday, 9 a.m. in the Stack feed, as well as the Comic Book Club feed. And folks, that is it for this week's show. Oh, man, that's it? A couple of people we want to thank for coming on. We want to thank Carol, Carol Howell for coming on, the director of the Falmouth yes. Museum. You can check out that exhibit, Superheroes, oh, cool. Orphans, and Origins, until August 28th, if you're in London or heading that way. Joshua Campbell, don't forget to check out Jacob's Apartment out and out from Graphic Monday. Also, C.K. Lawson and Aubrey Lynn Jepsen. Scott Snyder presents Tales from the Cloakroom is now on Kickstarter. Bunch of other things to plug. Next week, another packed show with Matthew Arnold talking about Eden, Jason Starr talking about The Next Time I Die, and our good friend Sean Lewis is going to be back to talk about Above oh, Snakes, his new book, which I'm very excited yeah. to chat about. Let's hear it for the boys, our boys podcast coming out on Friday's one more episode to go. Going to be a big one. Riverdale After Dark or Riverdale podcast, usually coming out on Mondays at this point after the Sunday episodes. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, talking about Miss Marvel. Going to be news episodes 
this week on Wednesday. The Doom Room, our Doom Patrol podcast coming out on Thursdays, or you can get every episode now at patreon.com slash comic book club, which is a great way of supporting this podcast and all the podcasts we do. Subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Thanks, everybody. Take care of yourself.